what many people think of and, and what you were talking about, flexible currencies are great. And obviously, if you think of Chase Ultimate Rewards, Amex Ultimate Membership Rewards, City Thank You, Capital One, Built, all of those programs do not transfer into Alaska. So it makes earning Alaska miles exceptionally difficult. So for people with a large chunk of Alaska miles, we love it because no one's really coming in to steal our awards, right? So if you think of, for example, a Chase, which transfers to United, or a Built, which transfers to American United, or Amex, which transfers to a whole bunch of partners as well, you're competing with everybody with an American Express, everybody with a Chase card. Whereas when you're earning Alaska miles, the only transfer partner is Marriott. And I don't see a lot of people transferring in a million Marriott points just to get some Alaska miles. So when people say, oh, it's so hard to earn Alaska miles. Yes. And we like it that way. It's hard if you're not putting what we call butt in seat. If you're not sitting in the chair, you are at a disadvantage. But when you start to learn the intricacies of how many points and miles you could actually earn by flying on Alaska, the, the number of miles are mind blowing. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from John Nickel Dandria from Nomos Coach. John and his husband, Ben, created Nomos Coach to teach people how to fly in business or first class for a fraction of the cost. Their blog teaches both methods to earn points from everyday activities, as well as other ways to earn points that may not be on your radar. In this episode, John and I discuss the benefits of Alaska Airlines loyalty program. Our discussion covers topics such as earning and redeeming Alaska miles, as well as the benefits of elite status with this airline. We also discuss other benefits of Alaska Airlines, such as why they might be the most versatile transfer partner for airlines all around the world. Quick side note though, right after we recorded this episode, Alaska did change up some of their award charts. So the route pricing we reference in this episode is good until March, 2024. After that, make sure you check out the GeoBreeze Travel YouTube channel for an update on best ways to use Alaska miles after the devaluation. If you're new to points and miles, consider the Chase Sapphire Preferred card, which is the most popular card for people looking to get deeper into points and miles. Remember, if you decide to apply for the Chase Sapphire Preferred card or any other card, never apply directly through Google. Always use a friend or creator's referral link. And if you're interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com cards. And if you're not sure what card is right for you, I offer free credit card consultations at geobreezetravel.com consultations. And we have links to the Chase Sapphire Preferred card and the free consultation form for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Hey, John. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, Julia. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about what's probably the most underrated of all of the airline points, which is Alaska. And you don't hear about them very much. Why don't you hear about Alaska that much? Because something like 70% of the people in the U.S. live east of the Mississippi. I don't know the number. It's a lot. And most people hear Alaska Airlines and they think, oh, they must fly to Alaska. But then again, let's be clear. 
Southwest Airlines also doesn't just fly to the Southwest, right? So I don't think it catches a lot of people's radar because they are a sort of West Coast airline, Seattle, San Francisco, LA, Anchorage. You're not getting a lot of flights to to Nashville or Philly and the East Coast cities don't really grab people's attention. I'll just keep crediting to American or Delta United and Alaska, those West Coast folks, they can have it. So you guys are based in Seattle. So was it just by crazy random happenstance that you became loyalists with Alaska or did you intentionally seek this out because you knew it was a good program? So I have million miler status with Delta. I grew up in the Midwest and so Delta was my jam for a very long time. There may be some people listening here who are a little jaded by Delta as well from what they currently have just done. And if you don't know, you won't find out, right? <laughs> when we moved to Seattle, Alaska was offering a status match. Delta at the time was trying to sneak in and grab some share of, of Seattle's market. They already had a small Portland base and they were trying to snag Seattle. And Alaska was really trying to garner some Delta medallions. So we did a status match and that was 2013 and we have not looked back. We've kept top tier status since 2013, and we just finished our last run to qualify again this year. So it's October at time of recording, and we just finished our elite status. So we're good for another year. What does it take to get status with Alaska if there is not a status match available? I think one of the easiest ways to think about Alaska is if you think about how airlines used to run thing a few years back so now delta american united they want your money give us your money give us your money we want to know how much you spend alaska is the only at least i can i know in the u.s the only airline out there that still tracks your what we call button seat miles how many miles do you sit in a chair and you go from point a to point b and if you hit you 20,000, well, they have three levels. They have MVP gold, and then they have MVP gold 75. There's also a fourth level, which is a 100K, but those are, that's like the super mega elite. So people who are just listening to this probably are not going to say, oh, I'll jump right to 100K. Maybe you will. I don't know. Um, but 20,000 miles for MVP, 40,000 for MVP gold, 75,000 for gold 75, and then 100,000 for gold 100. You do have to fly a certain number of segments on Alaska flights. So it's not just grabbing one or two expensive flights on partners. So you will need to fly a minimum of either two, six, 12, or 24 segments on Alaska, and then hit those minimum mile requirements. But honestly, they're not much. You can even buy cheap fares and you can still get a great chunk of miles for your status. We'll get into why the Alaska status and the Alaska miles are so valuable in a little bit. But for people who are like, as has been established, I am on the East Coast or the Midwest, and I'm like, Alaska doesn't favor my airport. Is there any hope for getting Alaska status for those people? Yes, mostly because they're part of one world. So if you live anywhere near an American Airlines hub or anywhere that American Airlines flies, you can credit those flights to Alaska. Often, I don't know why you wouldn't want to come out and hang out and enjoy Seattle. Come out, let's have a good time. We'll show you around a beautiful city. We'll go have some salmon. We'll eat some chocolate. We'll catch a fish in the market. Like if I swear, Julie, people start messaging me after this podcast for to come hang out. We will start a separate travel business just to come here to bring people to Seattle. But honestly, if you can sneak in a few flights on Alaska, if you're getting your status by flying on American and their partners, and you can sneak in one or two flights on Alaska, then do it. The benefits, which I'm, we'll get into in just a little bit, the benefits are great. And I would push back and I would say, 
unless you are a mega top tier Delta, mega top tier United and a mega top tier American, chances of you snagging an upgrade anyway on a lot of these flights, probably not that great. I was just on a flight from Seattle to, where was it? Ah, Seattle to Sacramento, 120 person plane. There were 60 people on the upgrade list. So to be clear, as a Delta medallion, if you were number 38 on the list, like if you're gold, you weren't getting upgraded anyway. So I think most people, when they think of elite status, I'm going to get upgraded, I'm going to all these things. You're probably not, because there's always someone who's flying just a little bit more than you. And I think Alaska shines with its extra benefits, um, more so than locking yourself into United or even Southwest or Delta. If you are near an American Airlines hub and you are crediting your flights to Alaska instead to get Alaska status, but then you're still flying on American Airlines flights. Are you going to get upgraded if there's a whole bunch of executive platinum people ahead of you in line? The short answer is no. The long answer is it depends. Depending on your status level, if you manage to snag a super high tier, like if you grab a 100K or a 75K status, you will get upgraded. Let me be clear. You will have the opportunity to be upgraded to on American Airlines flights as well. Even above some of their, I think, either Platinum Pros or Platinums. I've already forgot the names of all the American ones. I should know I'm Executive Platinum. I should know the different levels. But yeah, you will sneak in front of some of the American Airlines elites as well, because they do have a very unique relationship. Talk a little bit more about some of the other benefits that you get. Like, why would I want to credit my American Airlines flights over to Alaska instead of American Airlines? Because I also have executive platinum. I get upgraded every once in a while. It's probably like 50%. If I'm going to Dallas, I probably won't get upgraded, but otherwise <laughs> I do pretty well. So what are some of the other benefits of why I might want to take those hard-earned American Airlines miles, which are still pretty hard to get, why would I want to credit them to an Alaska flight instead? If you are booking a flight that is an American Airlines flight that's operated with an American Airlines number, you are earning based on the distance flown as opposed to based on the cost of the ticket. If you book your American ticket through Alaska, so you actually, like, for example, I'm flying from San Diego to Chicago, the American Airlines number is something like 265, whatever, but the code share, the Alaska code share is 40 something or other. It's an Alaska code share. You actually earn even more miles because it's an Alaska flight than you would if it's an American flight. But I think the real star and where Alaska shines is the ability to earn based on your distance flown and not on the cost of the ticket. Let's say you find a main cabin ticket from LA to Miami. And it's $99, which I've seen $99 tickets on American from LA to Miami. How much do you earn with American Airlines as an executive plat? It's like a certain X per dollar or something, right? It's like a percentage, right? With American, you would earn, depending on the fare class, up to 100% of that distance. So if it's 2,500 miles, you'd earn 2,500 miles. If it's a cheap ticket on American, you're only earning off the cost of that ticket. Doesn't matter how far you fly. Is it better to do the math each time if somebody flies a good amount, if they're like, let's just do the math and see if it's a longer, cheaper flight, I should credit it to Alaska. If it's a shorter, more expensive flight, I should credit it to American. Or does that just split your points so you're not going to get status with either one if you take that strategy? 
if you do that, you're probably not going to get status with either one, but then many people aren't earning status on American via flying all because of the loyalty point scheme. You could get it through shopping portals. You could get all the different ways. In fact, we're executive platinum this year. We have not set foot on an American Airlines flight the entire year. So we earn 210,000 loyalty points without setting foot once on an American Airlines flight. So it is entirely possible to get executive platinum status without flying American. If you're going down that road, you can then transfer your flight earned miles to Alaska to earn status. I think the biggest difference in what people really care about when they're talking about miles and points, like sure, upgrades are nice, sure, free bags are nice, but there are credit cards that can get you free ones. You can sometimes find a cheap paid upgrade to get in the first class. The real winning metric for me with Alaska is how you redeem and what you can do with the miles when you get them. Because Alaska, because it's so easy to earn miles as you go up in status, the ability for you to get a ton of miles really quick to redeem for first class redemptions or even just a ton of coach redemptions is huge. The mileage earning is nothing compared to it in the industry. And that's just from the distance flown. You're talking about the amount of miles that you can get just from flying. Yeah. So let's talk about this. So let's just use an example of a 2000 mile flight, right? Let's just say it's 2000 miles between point A and point B. If that ticket costs hundred dollars and you're flying on Alaska airlines, it doesn't matter. You're earning 2000 miles for that flight. If that ticket costs hundred dollars and you're flying on American airlines, you're only going to earn off the cost of that ticket, which is going to be substantially lower, especially if you don't have elite status. When you do get elite status with Alaska Airlines, for example, MVP, their lowest level, you're getting a 50% bump on top of that 2,000. So instead of 2,000, you're now earning 3,000 miles for that 2,000 mile flight. Yeah. When you hit MVP gold, you're earning a 100% bonus. So you fly that 2000 mile flight, you're now getting 4,000. As MVP Gold 75, it's 125% bonus. And MVP Gold 100, you're getting 150% bonus. So that 2000 mile flight as an MVP Gold 100, you're earning 5,000 miles just off that flight, which is massive amount of miles. The ability to earn the miles is escalated as you go through elite status, which because the amount of miles you earn is strictly based on the cost of your ticket with American, you're going to earn fewer miles. Does this work with international trips as well? If you're taking an American Airlines flight over to England, or if it works with any other One World partners like British Airway or Cathay Pacific or Qantas or anything like that, do you also just easily earn a ton of Alaska miles by crediting any of those really long one world flights over to Alaska as well? Again, the short answer. I like my short answer, long answer. I do that a lot. You'll see <laughs> the short answer is yes. The long answer is it depends what you'll need to do. If you're taking a, a super long haul, really cheap ticket, like bare bones economy on British Airways, for example, you're going to earn fewer miles because of the fare class of the ticket. For example, with British Airways, and let's just we'll talk in examples, right? I think the flight from Seattle to London is around 4,700 or 4,800 miles. Let's just pretend that it's 5,000 for the sake of math, right? If you're flying on British, but that flight is the lowest of the low fare class, like it's like what they I think call like their X fare class, something really low, you're only going to be earning 
25% of the distance flown. Ah, it's Q, O, or G. Those basic economies, 25%. When you're booked into a normal economy ticket, you're earning 50%, and a full fare economy is 100%. So you're earning 100% of that distance. Where it gets really good is when you fly in premium cabins. So we recently just took a trip from Vancouver, Canada to Johannesburg, South Africa. So that flight was Vancouver to Seattle. So we actually had to go to Vancouver to come back to Seattle. Let's just noodle on that one for a second. We flew up to Vancouver only to come right back to Seattle. Then we did Seattle to London to Johannesburg, spent some time, went on a great safari, and then came back and did Johannesburg, London, Seattle, Vancouver. All of that, we booked into a really inexpensive first-class ticket. British was having one of their Black Friday sales. And we earned off that one trip 125,000 redeemable miles. So because it was a paid first-class ticket, we earned 350% bonus miles. So the total was 450% of the distance. Now just imagine, like you're looking at this distance for this flight, which was 10 or 11,000 miles, you're earning 450% for booking into paid first class, plus your MVP bonus of 125. That's nearly 600% of the distance flown. If we had charged that to American, it would have been significantly less because again, it's we're tied to what we paid for the ticket. So long story short, if you're ever paying for one of those mistake fares that are in premium cabins, like first class or business class, you can credit it to Alaska. You're probably going to get a lot more miles that way. What if you're booking it on points? If there are people who are like, oh, I don't deal with mistake fares. I don't deal with cheap cash tickets. I just, if I'm going over an ocean, it's going to be with points. Does that work well with crediting any distance flown to Alaska as well? Two ways to think about that, right? If the points are something like you've got a fixed, let's say you're booking with, you have American miles and you're booking an American flight. Obviously, you're using American miles to redeem the flight. No matter who you credit it to, you're not going to get credit for it. American's going to give you zero. Alaska's going to give you zero because you're using your miles. If you use points like Chase Ultimate Rewards, American Express Membership Rewards, City Thank You Points, what you're in reality doing is exchanging those points at a cash value for a ticket. So that's what we did for this British example that I just gave you. We redeemed, I redeemed Chase, excuse me, American Express Membership Rewards. My husband, Ben, redeemed his Chase Ultimate Rewards. So between that, because we redeemed those flexible currencies, it's effectively a cash ticket, meaning that we redeemed points and got points back in the end. So if you're redeeming a specific currency like American Miles or Alaska Miles or United Miles, you're not going to earn. When you redeem those flexible currencies, absolutely, you still earn on the distance flown. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, that's really interesting because usually we tell people, oh, it's not good to redeem through the portal because you're only going to get one cent per point, 1.25 cents per point. You should transfer it instead to British Airways or Air Canada or somewhere else. But if you do that, you're not going to get any points credited back. So that makes the math a little bit more complicated if you are going to be able to earn miles. Like you're spending chase points through the portal, you're only going to get 1.25 cents or 1.5 cents on the front end, but you're going to get a whole bunch of Alaska miles credited back to you versus is it better to do that or transfer it to Air Canada and just take the five or six cents per point right off yep. the bat and not have any points credited back. That makes the math a lot more complicated. See, short answer. It depends. Long answer. Here's an example, right? It depends. But 
I think what many people think of and, and what you were talking about, flexible currencies are great. And obviously, if you think of Chase Ultimate Rewards, Amex Ultimate Membership Rewards, City Thank You, Capital One, Built, all of those programs do not transfer into Alaska. So it makes earning Alaska miles exceptionally difficult. So for people with a large chunk of Alaska miles, we love it because no one's really coming in to steal our awards, right? So if you think of, for example, a Chase, which transfers to United, or a Built, which transfers to American United, or Amex, which transfers to a whole bunch of partners as well, you're competing with everybody with an American Express, everybody with a Chase card. Whereas when you're earning Alaska miles, the only transfer partner is Marriott. And I don't see a lot of people transferring in a million Marriott points just to get some Alaska miles. So when people say, oh, it's so hard to earn Alaska miles. Yes. And we like it that way. It's hard if you're not putting what we call butt in seat. If you're not sitting in the chair, you are at a disadvantage. But when you start to learn the intricacies of how many points and miles you could actually earn by flying on Alaska, the, the number of miles are mind blowing. It, it, it truly is hundreds of thousands of miles every year that you earn just from achieving elite status. Think of 75K status, 75,000 miles flown to get 75K status. That means you fly 75,000 miles, you're gonna get 75,000 miles, right? As a 75K member, you're earning 125% bonus miles. So you're gonna earn that base 75,000 miles, and then you're also gonna earn 125% bonus. That's 93,750. So we'll just say 94 for easy math. So 94,000 miles plus 75,000 miles is 169,000 miles you earn every year just by achieving 75K status. But every year when you hit 75K status, Alaska as a thank you gives you a bonus 50,000 miles. Congrats, you made it, here's 50,000 miles. That's massive. So every year when you qualify for that, you're getting 219,000 miles just for hitting the 75K status level. And I don't know what it's gonna take on American or Delta, but I can guarantee you that Delta is not gonna give you a 50,000 mile bump. And even if they did, to be very clear, 219,000 Delta miles is worth a lot less than 219,000 Alaska miles. Achieving status, the process of earning status is going to earn you hundreds of thousands of miles every year to redeem. For people who don't actually fly that much where they're like, yeah, I like to just buy status or buy things through a shopping portal and do all the hacky hacks. I like to earn status without actually flying. Is there hope or do you actually need to fly to get Alaska status? The short answer again, you must fly. Uh, you could perhaps do a status match, but the only way to get status, to get elite status on Alaska is to fly. Now, they have a great shopping portal. They've got a fantastic credit card. They've You can even buy miles every year. Typically, there's sales that will sell you miles at about two cents a piece. So if you just want to buy the miles to top off for a flight or you're going through a shopping portal or you're in a dining program, whatever it is, you can earn miles that way. But the absolute quickest and best way is to fly. That makes sense. So let's say that for people who are flying a bit and they're like, I've been crediting all my stuff to American Airlines, but I can instead just put expenses and shopping portal stuff, keep my American Airlines status. 
credit my actual flights over to Alaska and then double dip and get both statuses. Let's talk about what do you do with all of these points? You're, you've now earned 200,000 some Alaska miles just by earning status this way over the course of the year. What do you do with that? Where do you want to fly? Everywhere. How do you go everywhere with Alaska miles? <laughs> How do you go everywhere? The great part about Alaska is that they are a part of the One World Alliance, just like American or just like British, right? So you've got American, British, Cathay, Finnair, Iberia, Japan Airlines, Malaysia Airlines, Qantas, Qatar, Royal Air Maroc, Royal Jordanian, Sri Lankan. All of those partners are the same partners you're going to be able to redeem on American Airlines. But Alaska is very unique because it started out as this quote unquote West Coast regional carrier. They've developed some pretty unique partnerships with airlines that are specifically and only unique to redeeming with Alaska Miles. For example, Condor, based out of Frankfurt, they fly to all these places in Africa. They fly to the Seychelles. They fly to Mauritius. They fly to Namibia. They fly to Cape Town. All of these places that you can go to. And a one-way ticket to Europe is only 50,000 miles. A one-way in business class, mind you. And a one-way ticket to Africa, I believe, caps out at, I think it's 70 or maybe even 75. I think it's 70 to go all the way to South Africa. 70,000 miles to go one way in business class to South Africa. Round trip 140, you're not going to find that on many other airlines, right? So Condor is a great example. LATAM Airlines. You can redeem it with Delta, but Delta charges out the nose for flights on LATAM. A one-way ticket to South America on LATAM Airlines is 25000 in coach and 45000 in business. This is our absolute favorite way to go visit Ben's family in Argentina. Probably shouldn't have said that. Now everyone's going to start going to book these flights now. They're going to take all of our availability away. That's what everyone always says. You broke it. You broke the secret. No. So LATAM is fantastic. There are a couple other unique Starlux Airlines just came out. So we're now partnering with Starlux Airlines, Iceland Air. They connect from Reykjavik. You can do a stopover in Reykjavik and you can connect to anywhere in their network in Europe. They also partner with Aer Lingus, with Air Tahiti Nui. They fly direct from Seattle and I think LA to, to Tahiti. El Al, Israel Airlines, a Hainan Singapore Airlines. So they got a little Star Alliance mix in there too. So you can fly in Singapore Airlines and get business class. In fact, we've seen flights from Newark to Singapore available to be booked with Alaska Miles. So they have a massive base of who you can redeem with. And their award search is so easy. There is a bit of a caveat, though. Not every flight is bookable with miles. So let's say you wanted to fly from Buenos Aires to London on British Airways. Can't do it with Alaska miles. They block it because they don't consider south america to europe a viable redemption route most of the places you're going to want to travel need to either touch or go through the us so if you're trying to do some weird redemptions like Qantas to south africa i think it was like Qantas, like sydney to cape town or something like that was not available to be booked because they didn't allow a booking between south africa and australia so you would have to book two separate tickets or use american miles but the majority of the flights that you're going to want to do you're going to want to connect U.S. to Africa, U.S. to the Middle East, U.S. to Europe, U.S. to South America are able to be booked. But there are some wonky exceptions where you'll find that there's no availability, even though it may show up in another search.
You glazed over it really quickly. Let's talk about this stopover program because I know that for the South America thing, I recently booked Los Angeles through Santiago, free stopover in Santiago and then continuing on to Buenos Aires, 45,000 points per person one way in business class. Does that work with every region? Because I know you mentioned it with Iceland as well. Can you do these stopovers anywhere or are there limits with Alaska? You can do a stopover in almost any hub city where that airline flies. And I say almost because there are some weird exceptions. So with LATAM, you can stop over in Lima. You can stop over in Santiago. You can stop over in Sao Paulo. With British, you can stop over in London. With Iceland Air in Reykjavik. With Air Tahiti Nui. Of course, that's in Tahiti, right? So there are most of those places. And even in the U.S., like you could do, for example, let's say you did Washington, D.C. to Seattle. And you decided to stop over in Seattle for five days to check out our lovely Emerald City and then connected from Seattle to Hawaii. That's fine. That's totally acceptable. Zero extra miles, zero extra dollars. You can book a stopover on a one-way ticket. And that is with any of the major airlines and any of their hubs. It's a feature of their program and not many people have that anymore. So the fact that you snag Santiago is great. Santiago is a beautiful city. Absolutely gorgeous place. You're going to love your stopover. And you managed to connect to Buenos Aires. I keep trying to do the United Excursionist perk because we're flying back from Brazil through Lima back to the Los Angeles airport, trying to connect between Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo. The availability is there. United's website just keeps freaking out and being like, this place is not available. You should call us. And I know better than to call United and try to explain what the Excursionist perk is. I'm just going to wait because that flight's not gonna go away. There's so many of them and people just aren't really booking it. There's five different Fifth Freedom flight routes that are going through there. Really want the Swiss Airlines first class one, but, but yeah, United's website is just throwing a fit every time I try. I will admit I have been doing this, I hate calling it a game, but I've been in this hobby. I've been in this realm now for practically a decade. I don't understand the United Excursionist Perk, and I'm paid by people to help them understand the United Excursionist Perk. When they tell me they want to do United Excursionist Perk, I just switch to Spanish and pretend that, ay, que no hablo inglés, lo siento mucho, eh, no, no entiendo que está pasando, and I just, I'm done. I, I do not, I'm sure it's got great value, and it's really awesome, but I'd rather just stick to my last commodity. <laughs> just do that. So much less complication involved. It is less complicated than the United right. Excursionist Park, which we have free step-by-step -step tutorials on the YouTube for everybody where I'm like, oh, you can fly across here for free, but there's a lot of rules that you have to keep in mind. And even when I am sure I am structuring it correctly, I get a free Swiss Airlines first class flight. Sometimes United just bombs out. So still hoping I'm going to get that one booked. But what are some other perks of the Alaska program? In addition to, you can visit two cities in South America or pretty much everywhere else, for 45,000 points in business class per person each way. Any other sweet spots? I know a lot of people jumped on that Starlux thing. Starlux was great, and the availability will come back. I think a lot of people booked the Starlux flights because they saw it, and they were like, just grab it, and they're eventually going to be canceling stuff out if they realize they don't really want to take that flight. So I think the, as new partners become available, those things will pop open. Alaska's got a lot of interesting quirks and perks and fun things about their program. I'll hit a couple of them for you. First off, we have, I'm going to say we, like I work for Alaska, like we have a companion pass. The companion pass comes with a credit card every year. Delta offers a companion pass, for example, I know with theirs, but the cardholder earns the miles. The person, your companion doesn't earn any miles. With Alaska, both people on the ticket 
earn miles. They, you can both be upgraded, you get all the benefits. Uh, it is a truly unrestricted, any flight in the Alaska network, whether you wanna fly all the way from Nassau to Honolulu, doesn't matter, international, domestic, Alaska, Hawaii, wherever, 100% you can use the Alaska Companion Pass, so no restrictions whatsoever. When it comes time for upgrading, if you are an elite, you're a gold 75, you're 100K, or even a gold, you're gonna get these upgrade certificates. And the upgrade certificates are confirmable at time of booking. So all you have to do on the website is click that you wanna use your little gold guest upgrade is what it's called. It'll say first class is available. You book the flight and you're in first class. So there's no waiting to get to the airport or I'm on a wait list. You can wait list, but the great part about the gold guest upgrades is they are confirmable immediately. So as long as it's in any Alaska flight that includes their international flights to Costa Rica, Mexico, Nassau, all the way through to Hawaii. Those are instantly confirmable. I like their bag guarantee, which I think is really unique. The thing about Alaska Airlines that I really enjoy is if you were gonna hang out with your friends and build an airline, you would build Alaska Airlines. It is incredibly customer-centric and customer-focused. Like the idea that if your bags take longer than 20 minutes to get on the, to get on the carousel, they will give you 2,500 miles. Hey. We realize your time is important. We shouldn't be dilly-dallying and just messing around with your bags. If it takes us longer than 20 minutes, fine. We're giving you 2,500 miles. We'll do better next time. That's how it should be, right? Bag guarantee, done. 2,500 miles. Delta does something similar where you can just fill out the online form. With Alaska, it's one step harder than that, where you have to actually talk to a human. Maybe. Is there a way to do that online, or you do have to talk to a person at Alaska? I have noticed that in a lot of the off stations, so here's a secret baggage tip. If the city starts with the letter D, you're probably going to get your bags for your 2,500. So Detroit, Denver, Dallas, those are outstations that are managed by two people. Detroit, the person checking you in is literally the person who's also at the gate, who's literally also the person doing the baggage, who's literally also the person that sits one dude running around. So when you get your bags and you can't find the guy because he's, checking people into the flight or moving somewhere else, there's no one to talk to. So many times I've just called the elite line and say, hey, just landed in Detroit. There's no one standing at the luggage desk. I can't find anybody. My bags came out at 26 minutes. Can I please get the miles? Absolutely, Mr. Nicolandrea, no problem at all. We'll get those deposits to your account. Thank you. Or you can tweet. I've tweeted at them before too. Hey, my bags came out late. No one's at the desk. They're like, no problem, shoot us a DM. And then you give them your flight information. They confirm the flight was delayed and you're good to go. Okay, I was gonna say phone call still involved. No, but that's that. But that's like a little tiny mix between introvert and extrovert. Extrovert, see, is I'm gonna wait in line. Intro, extra, middle of the road is the phone call. Full introvert is tweet. So what everybody hearing right now is, <laughs> you can tweet. You can tweet. Or you can X. What do they call it? I don't even know what it's called anymore. Yeah, you can tweet. Use that as a verb. You can okay. X. You can X. Let's just say Sounds you can like tweet. breaking up with someone. Ooh, we can X. No, no, no. You can X. My boyfriend and I no. can X. That's no, no. We'll just go with tweet. We'll stick with tweet. So yeah. So the bag guarantee, I, I have I have very often found that as I'm wheeling my luggage away, there's somebody at the desk. And all you have to do is walk up and say, Hey, my bag was late. And they say, No problem. They give you a voucher, you're on your way. It's a very painless process, even for the introverts. Can you pool points with other people with your Alaska miles? If I have 25,000, my husband has 25,000, is there a way to get that to the 45,000 plus that we would need for one business class ticket or everybody's points are their own? 
no, no pooling is allowed. But one thing is really cool. If you do call Ben, my husband and I have booked flights before and be like, hey, there's two of us here. Take Ben's miles out of his account. Take my miles out of my account. And it's on one PNR. It's on one reservation. So many times airlines are like, oh, no, I got to take it out of one person's account. Alaska will deduct from each person's account and keep you on one record locator. So that's good. It's a nice benefit. Yeah, that is a lot more convenient than if a flight has to be delayed or moved or something, you have to call twice. That's just yeah. disastrous. I mean, if anyone's following your podcast or following you on Instagram, which I think they probably are, they may have noticed that there's been a lot of hubaloo recently about Delta and their lounge changes, especially with access, with your credit cards. So Alaska's got a pretty cool membership process so they have you can get like a lounge or you can get like a lounge plus so if you are first off if you don't want to buy a membership and you're flying in first class and it's like a transcon flight so you're flying from new york to seattle new york to san francisco any of those flights if you're in a paid first class ticket you get into the lounge period no credit card needed if you're on a paid first class ticket and it's a long flight so like seattle san diego not going to cut it but one of those longer flights you get into the lounge on a paid first class ticket first and foremost, which is pretty cool, right? I, I don't, I know that Delta is not going to do that if you don't have access. American United certainly aren't going to do it if you buy a domestic first class ticket. So that's really neat that they allow you to do that. One of the other really cool things about membership is you get, so they don't have many lounges, they only have I think, nine lounges. But if you buy a lounge plus membership, you get access to 90 of their partner lounges as well. So the partner lounges, it's not just Alaska Airlines lounges. You also get access to certain United lounges. You get access to certain American Airlines lounges, Admirals Clubs. You get Qantas lounge access. And you even you can get into an Aspire lounge in San Diego. You can get into the Cathay Pacific lounge in San Francisco. So it's the same membership, but it's not simply just Alaska Lounge. That's mostly because if you're flying into oh, where are the United Clubs, Phoenix, Minneapolis, and D.C., because Alaska doesn't have a lounge in Phoenix, Minneapolis, or D.C., if you're flying out of D.C., or Reagan, sorry, I should, should be clear, out of Reagan, Phoenix, or Minneapolis, they will let you get into the United Club. That's pretty cool, especially if you're based out of Minneapolis or Phoenix or even Reagan you get access to United Club if you have an Alaska Lounge Plus membership. How much is the membership? So the Alaska Lounge for the nine Alaska Lounges, just for the Alaska Lounge, is 400 bucks if you're an elite member and 500 bucks if you're a non-elite. Because as an elite member, you get a discount. The Alaska Plus Lounge membership is 550. So 550, and that gets you access to all the Alaska lounges, the Qantas lounges, the United ones, the Cathay one. It's 650 if you're not elite, 550 if you are elite. So they give you a little discount on top of that if you're elite. So if you purchase the Alaska Plus membership, if you are flying economy, do you still get to access some of those? If you already have the membership, you don't have to be flying first class paid cash or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. First class gets you in for free without a lounge membership. And then if you're flying economy, you're good to go. You're good to go. As long as you've got your lounge membership, you are in. Any other last tips with why the Alaska program is so amazing? Because we've talked about you should credit your One World flights to Alaska as much as possible, especially for any long flights, especially if you 
are purchasing any paid first class flights that are like discounted first class, even if you're booking it through the portal because you're getting fewer cents per point on the offset, but you're going to earn so many Alaska miles. So we covered that. We covered all the different sweet spots. Like you can get to South America one way in business class for 45,000 points. We covered that if you want to earn Alaska status, you do have to fly or you could just buy Alaska miles. I guess you could do that too. I did that for South America. I was like, I don't have time to do all the flights, do all the crediting, <laughs> open a credit card. I see the availability right here. Apparently it's yep. there because you weren't able it to is. create yeah. So I was like, I see it. There's two days left in the month that I want to fly. So I just purchased <laughs> points for $2,000 and got $8,000 worth of flights. You're going to, you're going to love the flight. It's amazing. And the lounge in Santiago is absurdly great. Really does that good. Sound good. I haven't flown with Tom yet. If you speak Spanish, I think you get an even better treatment because you're speaking Spanish. The people we we were next to on our flight spoke English only, and the flight attendants were perfect. And we both flew in Spanish. So it's a little bit different. The food is is top notch. The seats are comfortable. The lounge in Santiago is in my top five on the planet. It is exceptional. If you have the ability to go to the Santiago lounge. Their signature lounge, or I think it's called the Platinum Signature, whatever the, the top lounge is, it's freaking amazing. I, I, I don't say that lightly. Top five lounge in the world that I've ever been to, Santiago, Chile. I will keep that in mind, and I will give myself a lot of time in the lounge. My yes. Spanish is awful. I think a lot of people look at me and assume I know Spanish, and then I just bluff a lot no, of my no. eyebrows where I'm like, <laughs> I know what's going on. Yeah, cuanto cuesta. No, my, my Spanish is actually terrible. And every time I'm asked what I do for an occupation, it was hard enough to explain what an actuary does in Spanish. And I've been to enough Latin American countries where this question has come up a lot and I should have had a speech ready to go. What is an actuary? Did not have that speech ready. And now trying to explain all of this and my occupation is- Yeah, just what do you do? I teach people how to use credit card points and miles. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's what? I'm just going to say, esposa. I'm a stay-at-home wife. I am I'm, an esposa. I'm just going to say great. that. I am an esposa. Yeah. We're just so, going to go with that. I will love that. But I was just, I was remembering something about the lounge. I forgot when we talked about you don't get access if you're on an upgraded ticket to the lounge. You get a discounted entry pass. You only pay 30 bucks and it gets you into the lounge if you use an upgrade and go to first class. Sorry. Completely blanked out. Pretty cool. You asked about one extra fun thing about Alaska. Do you drink wine, Julia, by chance? Every once in a while. Every once in a while. I've been known to, to tipple a little bit. If you check a case of wine on Alaska Airlines, it's free. They will check your wine for free. And we have a really cool wine suitcase. Alaska Airlines actually sells a wine suitcase. That I think the partnership is with a company called the Wine Check. It's, I think, 80 bucks, but it's this foam suitcase that this big thick cardboard box sits inside and every time we travel to south america we come back from argentina with a dozen wines even traveling down to, to california if you're going to do that like you will not pay to check for that wine so no hey you may pay for your bag otherwise but that wine that's traveling for free it's just a cool little perk like you're going somewhere you want to do a winecation with your friends bring back the wine you're not going to pay for it i think again if you were going to start an airline with your friends what would you do? Hey, sorry, we wasted your time. Here's some miles. Oh, you had a great time with wine. Why don't you bring that home for free? Hey, you're in a first class ticket. Let me let you into our lounge. You can relax beforehand. It's just how an airline should be run.
Only wine though, not like other liquids in wine bottles, not beer or 750s of other liquor or anything like that. Just, I mean, are they checking? I'm not opening your bag to see what's in there. If you want to drink 750s of other stuff, that's on you. But my bag says wine flies free on the outside. So that's what is in my bag. Love it. Thank you, John, so much for all of the amazing tips that you've shared with us today about Alaska Airlines. If you had to sum up all of your travel hacking knowledge into one tip that we could fit into an Instagram cold card, what would your number one tip be? I would say the old adage of earn and burn is not always true. Sometimes you just have to earn and earn because at the end of the day, redeeming your points and miles just for something to like a coach ticket is fine, but Alaska's program allows you so many easy ways to fly in premium cabins that earn and burn doesn't have to be the case. It's earn and enjoy. Great piece of advice. And speaking of great advice, can you give a shout out to a couple other people in the points and miles space who you would also recommend that listeners follow for even more great points advice? Uh, yeah, I think there are three people that come to the top of mind for me. Uh, first and foremost, our bestie in this hobby, Ariana, which you had on your podcast not too long ago. She's at Point Chaser on all the social media platforms. Just an amazing human being who I love that we get to call our absolute best travel best friend. She's just fantastic and she's a wealth of knowledge. She's great. I learned so much from the Frequent Miler when I first started this. If you are not following Greg and Nick and team over at the Frequent Miler, you are missing out. They simplify the complicated in such a way that I know I would never be able to do. We focus on first class flights, luxury flights, five-star hotels. Greg and Nick and team do a great job of simplifying everything. And if you wanna earn a lot of points quick, it is through Greg and Nick. And then I think finally, where I love getting newsletters about deals. So you're finding a points deal that comes through or a cash deal that comes through. Thrifty Traveler to me is who we have followed for many years. We met Nick and Jared at an event whew, like two years pre-COVID. I don't even know pre-COVID doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it was 38 years ago for me. And we jumped on board to their newsletter. And we always get random emails like, hey, Houston to New Zealand, just opened up in business class, book now. And because we've been able to, to get those deals, we've booked ourselves amazing trips. So Greg and Nick over at Frequent Miler, you got Nick and Jared over at Thrifty Traveler and Ariana at Point Chaser. Awesome. And where can we find you on the internet? Ben and I are at Nomas Coach. Nomas Coach on Twitter, Nomas Coach on Instagram, Nomas Coach on everything you'd want to find us. You will not find us in Coach. It's only up front and that's how it always should be. It's even in your wedding vows, I hear. It is in our wedding vows. When we got married, rich or poor, sickness, health, all that fun stuff, we put for first or business into our wedding vows because you know what? Why would I want to spend 19 hours on a flight, shoved in the back, cramped up? No, we are going to make this marriage work and we're going to do it up front. And we have never broken our wedding vows to each other in the 10 years that we've been married. When's the last time you flew coach? Do you really want to talk about that? We don't, no one needs to know that. No one needs to know that. Do you really fly coach or do you just suffer through? I'm five foot one, so I'm fine. How tall are I'm you? I'm six foot three, so that's not happening. 
Actually, we do have a clause. It's paragraph three, subsection four, line seven of our wedding vows that say in extreme emergency situations, exit row or comfort plus may be acceptable in, you have to get like a UN charter sign off notarized, like it's a big thing. But in cases of extreme emergency, like the planes not taking off, we would consider exit row or comfort plus an acceptable solution if it's under three hours. When's the last time you had to pull out that clause? What a great podcast today, Julia. Thank you so much for having it me It was on. for my master class. And your texts were hilarious. We were like, Julia, you don't understand. Look at my knees. Look at my knees. And it was just hilarious photos. That's why I was pushing. I was like, when's the last time? Emergency situation only. Emergency situation only. I don't know what you're talking about. We just don't do that. I have proof in writing, but it was hilarious. It was a fantastic masterclass. Ben didn't have to suffer through it with you. So there is that as well. But I appreciate As long as we're not doing it, we're not doing it together. We're not breaking the vows because we are not doing it together. So that's fine. Again, emergency situations, paragraph five, subsection seven, clause three. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. I already lost track. I appreciate you pulling out that clause to make it to my masterclass. I appreciate you for this podcast. You dropped so many gems about the Alaska Airlines program. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us on the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast today. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!